Jupiter. Oh, recording. Yay. Go carry. Okay. So welcome to Behavior Bites. If you are just watching this recording, this topic that we are talking about today is really focused on aggression or uh, one of the topics that we're talking about, but this one, this recording is sibling aggression. Now, here's the question that was asked. So it's a very specific question. Um, this was submitted by some professionals who provide early um, intervention services, and we've got some twins who were verified for language delays. Now, as we most of us know who are caring for young kids, we understand that with language delays come behaviors, or behaviors, when we see behaviors, we might have some type of language delays. So this one was a little bit unique in the sense that we have two-year-old twins, and and they are both being verified for a language delay, but we have some aggressive behavior, biting, kicking, pinching, and we also have some behaviors with others and with each other. So we've got the hitting, the arms around the neck, uh, fighting over toys frequently, pinching. So again, not that you don't already have tons of strategies for intervening with kids that are displaying these um, challenging behaviors, Two is very young, nonverbal, we totally get it, but nonetheless, we have to shape it, and we really, we really want to, um, we really want to shape it and extinguish it. So, again, if you did not listen to the one on biting, which I addressed this in biting as well, these two went together really nice. In fact, they all three did, the spitting and then the biting and then this one. Too often we forget that aggression is a fundamental part of a young child's development. I love this. Uh, this is by Stephanie Paquin, but again, Becky Bailey um, also highlighted the same um, data, the same in, uh, research. Human beings show the highest levels of aggressive behavior towards their peers between the ages of two and four. <gasps> I mean, seriously, like that's phenomenal data. Like that's information we all need to know because this is when peer aggression peaks. It's two to four. It's so phenomenal that we then, in our society, we have, you know, we have childcare because we need it because parents work. And we put 15, three and four year olds or more together in one room. And, and we struggle with all of the peer relationship happening, you know, that, yeah, peer aggression peaks two to four. So as kiddos grow, they need to manage their emotions, et cetera. Again, this is about twins. So I know you all know this. But toddlers also become aggressive in order to release pent-up anger so they can use it as a, you know, an outlet. I have feelings in me and my feelings in me need to get out. They also will use it to control a situation. Their human beings are exploring, figuring out what they can do and, and what works and what doesn't work uh, to show power or to protect their stuff. Again, we all know this. And toddlers often perceive aggressive behaviors such as biting and hitting as tools for communication because they're little tiny people and their little tiny cognitive brains aren't thinking the way grown-up brains think. And dude, they're hit, they're bite, they're pinch. That was 100% my communication. It was sending a message, get your hands off my toy. <laughs> I don't wanna play with you, you're too close. No thank you. It's their way of saying all of that. Um, so we have to honor where they are and understand again to neutralize our frustration um, please come on in. No, no, you're good. No, no. Um, this one I do happen to be talking during versus the last time I was just listening. <laughs> um, now this is, 
very fascinating, but there is um, documented information about something called twin escalation syndrome. So this is the tendency for twins to feed off of each other. And um, any parent who has ever cared for twins will be hopefully, I'm assuming, kind of nodding right now, whether it's girls or boys, fraternal or not. They're like, yup, yup, yup. And we can see this even in siblings. It doesn't just have to be twins, but here there's twin escalation syndrome, the tendency for multiples to intensify and expand their behaviors in reaction to the other. So baby A starts crying and baby B says, game on. <laughs> And so twin B starts to cry a little bit louder. And then twin A goes, hey, I will see your cry louder and I will raise you <laughs> a little bit of a cry louder and a scream. And so we end up doing this thing that escalates and increases the other child's behavior. Interesting phenomenon. Um, and here's, here's kind of the stinker and the, and the punch to the gut. Uh, there's really nothing you can do about it. <laughs> I mean, it's twins. It's twins. They're, they're siblings born on the same day, shared the same womb. Um, we're probably not ever going to extinguish it. We're not going to be able to make that go away. We're not going to change their reality in life that they are a twin. So we can shape it, right? We can shape it. But so preventions and responses. Um, in all sincerity, this is so prevalent in all siblings. Um, I wish I had a savvy way of saying this. I heard it by, um, uh, Dan Siegel. Again, I love these people. I, none of these thoughts and ideas are, are my original thoughts and ideas. They come from brilliant people who study this. Um, uh, and Dan Siegel admitted in, in his whole brain child, um, presentation, I was able to be a part of that. So hearing him speak on whole brain child, and he said it in a way that resonated for me is he's like, you know, kids are, are like siblings. They're like these sibling packs. And let's say you have two twins. Let's say you have three, four, just non, non-twin siblings. They need to know that they're going to get saved if, if the house went up in a fire, like in their basic, truest sense down deep, they need to know that they're important enough that if the house went up in flames, mom's grabbing them. So that's not meaning to say, I don't want you to grab my siblings, but they know that they have to share this world, this space of their parents with three other people or another person, etc. That's fundamentally the, the life of siblings. That's real. So if we are cognizant of that as grownups, as parents and childcare providers, we really have to become very, very cued in to reduce competition. You, you won't eliminate it, but we work very hard at using language that honors the child as the individual. I didn't put it on here, but it is we, and we, we don't compare. Like we don't ever want to compare. Well, your brother, blah, 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 blah. Well, your sister, blah, 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 blah. Well, when I told her that, 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 that really festers pretty deeply in siblings and it, it sits down deep, whether they show you or not. And so there needs to be language like this is exactly how, and again, I, I use this in another presentation. So forgive me if you're not religious or if you're not a Christian, I don't mean to imply that you need to be in my home, my language, when I'm working with kids has typically been, this is exactly how God made you. This is how God wanted you. 
you can change that language to fit your, you know, your faith, your track, but, but it's this idea that, yeah, maybe your brother can sing really well. That's how God made him and your talents look different. And that's how God made you. And we love that. This is how you were wired. This is how you were put together. You are taller, you are shorter, you have brown hair, you have black. Okay. So whatever we can do to help reduce the idea that I need to compete is very important. Even in two-year-olds, this starts very, very early. So here's how we do it with toddlers or one-year-olds, 18 months, special time with each child individually. And again, I think you know this, you do this already, but this is very carved out one-on-one. It can be five minutes. It can be 10 minutes. It doesn't have to be fancy schmancy but it's a very, very consistent reality that I have a story time with just you, or I have a play blocks time with just you. It's not always because we're twins, we're joined at the hip. Um, so honor the individualized special time with each child. Um, separation and supervision. So again, back to that idea of protection and prevention. If I know my twins well enough, that if I leave them to their own devices, in about seven minutes, someone's going to be crying and hurt. I don't leave them for seven minutes. So my separation and supervision my, or my prevention and protection might say, I know my boys well enough that I can leave them for three minutes and they can play really well with that bag of that bag of yarn. I just looked at, there was a bag of yarn right here. They can play with those box of cars, that, that bucket of Legos. They've got three minutes before it starts getting ugly. Well, I set my watch timer for three minutes or two and a half. If I know they can handle five minutes, I set it for four and a half. When my watch goes off, I intervene before it got ugly. I know my kid's threshold. I know what they can handle. And if that means I let them have that space to play together, even if it's going well. Now, here's where parents will get hooked up. They'll be like, well, when I go in in four and a half minutes, they're doing really well. Right. They're still doing well at the four and a half minutes that you went in and intervened. It doesn't mean you turn your back and walk away because you know in seven minutes, they're going to be killing each other. <laughs> they're going to be duking it out. So you want to step in when it's still going well. That's okay. So four and a half minutes goes by. You step in. They're playing cards really, really beautifully. We don't turn our back. We pick one of them up and we bring him over to help engage in another activity. It's not punitive. It's not a thing. It's not bad. It's just giving them that break that they need before they end up with a threshold breach and then they start the aggressiveness between the two of them. Um, remaining very calm. Um, again, I am a human. I'm a mom and a human. And so I have gotten mad at my kids before. I'm not saying you never can. I'm just saying um, we are the um, calm in the storm and we're the grounding force because we're the grown up. And so if there's, um, you know, kind of a threshold breach, I can go in and be like, dude, you guys, whoo, you met your limit. Let mom come on in and help you out here. And then that's when I come in and separate. Um, the other um, strategy that I use 100% in this age is something I call time in, time in for teaching and shaping. I should say teaching and, teaching and shaping, I like that better. But I go in, so, so one of the stories I use most frequently is, is two, two and three-year-old. I didn't have twins at the time, but instead we were fostering a two and a three-year-old together, and I've shared this story before, where the three-year-old is the bully. I'm sorry, the two-year-old. The two-year-old is the bully. He's, um, he's the aggressive, um, kind of the aggressive bully of the pair. The three-year-old is very passive, 
and um, likes to play independently, likes to play alone, kind of softer, doesn't stand up for himself. Three-year-old is playing magnet tiles. Two-year-old walks in. Two-year-old invades three-year-old's play. Three-year-old cries, um, but doesn't do anything about it. Whereas here, the sibling or this twin pair is kind of duking it back and forth. And so as an adult, you come to intervene. Now, when I intervene, I come in for time in. This is teaching and shaping. So my intervention to the two-year-old is, oh, sweet boy, you want to play magnetiles. I'm sorry, your brother had the magnetiles first, and right now he does not feel like sharing. So I will move my two-year-old. I will move the magnetiles back to the three-year-old. The three-year-old goes back to the engaged play with his magnetiles, and my two-year-old is over here kind of having a little mini meltdown. He's crying and he's laying on the floor and he's arching his back. He's mad, but that's okay. I'm in. I'm right here. You have big feelings about not being able to play magnetiles, but my other little three-year-old over here is just fine. So I stay in long enough because I'm calm. I'm not remain calm. I'm like, yep, yeah, being too is hard. <laughs> big feelings. You don't get to play magnetiles. Sorry, dude. I'm not trying to fix it. I'm not trying to make it better and I'm not trying to talk him out of his feeling. What if? In all sincerity, his little feeling passed within about 60 seconds. It didn't take long. He starts to come out of his little meltdown. I start to help him find something else to play in that space. I'm right there. We grab him something else, even though the magnetiles are right here. I'm still not letting him go there because that's, that's me shaping. And he starts engaging in a toy that he can engage with. And we have fun and we laugh and we play. And I'm there for about three more minutes. And I have both of the kiddos engaged in some parallel play with separate um, items. That is the time in for teaching and behavior shaping. Um, I don't separate, you know, that I didn't need a time out. I need to, I need to be present for that to happen. Now you can, I was available to do that. Um, but that's not every time all the time. So yeah, if you need to walk in and grab the two year old, like you, you have every right to just be like, Oh, dude, okay, not acceptable. I walk in, I pick him up, I take him out into the kitchen and he starts helping me make dinner. You can absolutely just do the distraction out of the environment, but I do, I pick him up and I move. Um, I don't try and distract him right there with too much like, you know, noise and, and flashes and everything in his face. Like, oh, look at this, play with this, look at this, play with this. Instead it was let the emotion pass and then I'll help you engage in something else. Or I just pick you up and walk out. And that's still me shaping. You're not going to go in and take your, your brother's toys. Sorry, dude. So, and that, wow, I just jumped right into my last screen. So I didn't see that coming. It is 158. Um, so for those of you who are watching the recording, hey, on our time, it's 158 when we're doing this live. So if you have questions about all that, there's a little bit of um, my thought on go moving forward, if that was not enough information for you. There are a couple other behavior bites that address strong emotions, um, which might help because probably a lot of that aggressiveness is that territorial aggressiveness, which is really um, being um, fueled by strong feelings. And so there are a couple of other behavior bite videos that also go deeper into the being with and the time in and the co-regulation. And so you might find those valuable as a um, kind of a next step in understanding that big picture. But those are my strategies for aggressiveness with toddler twins. Uh, if you are watching this recording, thank you for watching. I would love your feedback. Please complete an evaluation. 
And thanks to everybody who joined live. I appreciate having you. I will actually stop recording. All right. Thanks for watching this. Bye, kids.